The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Warning! Sequel Chat is a movie lover's podcast featuring discussions of the latest cinematic sequels in theaters now. These weekend of release reviews are spoiler-filled and highly flammable, so please use caution when listening. You have been warned. Welcome. We are your symbiotic hosts of Sequel Chat. Adam, Colton, and Jeremy. Join us as we dive into the chaos of Venom. Let there be carnage. Bravo. Mm. Wow. A voice from another world. Another universe. (laughs) Maybe not so far away. I was wondering, do you guys feel like, should we just like talk about the elephant in the room first and then get into the details of the film itself? Yes. uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) There's some big stuff at the end there. Yes. Spoiler warning is off. If you missed the intro or skipped it, spoilers are highly flammable on this show. And we got to see Spider-Man with Venom. Sort of. <laughs> if you really want to count licking the television set, you know. Well, we got to right. see him on the same screen and we then another screen. Did. <laughs> so here we go. We'll just break this down from the start. We see Eddie and Venom are off on Hawaii or some foreign island just lounging about. And then uh, Venom saying that he's basically insulting Eddie's intelligence and his capacity to understand all that uh, Venom has done. Also that it was kind of alluded to that like it was alluded almost like Eddie was not the first kind of like the the sexual count as they're laying in bed kind of thing discussion going on. <laughs> and uh, and it was at this point where Venom says 80 billion light years of knowledge across universes. Plural. Plural. Of shared hive knowledge that it would explode your tiny little mind if you knew even a fraction of it. And so Eddie Eddie takes it kind of rough, like obviously. And so Venom's like, okay, I will show you just a sliver, a sliver of it. Are you ready, Eddie? And just as he's getting ready... All of a sudden, we see some of the colorful changes that we've come to know through Loki and other shows of the multiverse passes by. And not only did there did that happen, the room changed. They are in a different universe now. And in the background, we hear one very recognizable voice of one J. Jonah Jameson blaring on the TV as he is exposing who... Spider-Man is. And it's at this point where Venom pops out and is like, that guy. And licks the TV. My theater went nuts, by the way. Oh, of course. Yeah. That got bigger reaction than anything else in the entire movie. I was actually hoping that my theater was going to get excited, but it was, you could hear a pin drop. I think everybody was just in awe. They're like, huh? (laughs) So this, uh, this, this theory, at least I'm cooking up, and maybe they're alluding to it, is... Venom's explanation that it is 80 billion light years of hive knowledge across universes. This is the reason why Venom recognizes Peter Parker and Spider-Man is because that previous Venom shared the knowledge through the universes to our Venom from so the Sony. Grace 
is part of the hive mind. <laughs> yes. His experience that came into that symbiote, that Venom, is now transferring over to this movie universe Venom. I mean, why else would Venom react to somebody wearing red and blue spandex as though yeah. he knows him? And so the question I have is, so what was happening in that moment right when he was about to share the information with Eddie and then the glitch is happening, that is the moment that we've seen in the trailer for No Way Home where Doctor Strange is doing the spell, right? Yes. Okay. So it would be that combined with Loki and breaking of the, the multiverse and the the sacred timeline and all of that coming together, culminating at the same time or point in time. Okay. So, so that being the case, because obviously that's, that's, they've been hinting at, like, I haven't done a whole lot of reading about this movie. I wasn't checking the internet every day leading up to it, but one of the few things I caught on Twitter was basically Tom Hardy saying, yeah, this movie is going to explain how his venom could end up in no way home or essentially could, have a connection right. to the current Spider-Man continuity where they would eventually be in a film together. And um, frankly, so, I'm surprised the studio let him and Andy Serkis give that away in an interview. Yeah. I guess they just, everybody's fighting for the box office right, right now, right? So I guess they just figured everybody will go. It's only in theaters. They want to see that moment. If there's any inkling of Spider-Man and Venom together in a scene. so And apparently it's working because according to the numbers I've read, this movie has outperformed Shang-Chi in just about every way. Thursday night previews, the weekend overall. Yeah, it might be. It's going to have a, a long uphill climb um, because Shang-Chi, yes, it initially, it might beat it opening weekend because Shang-Chi was a very, well, kind of niche audience it was kind of up in the air as to what kind of reception it would get yeah brand new character like nobody we know basically uh yeah, yeah. And, I, and i did check it hit 90 million for the weekend wow um but shang chi also led the box office for four straight weeks so i guess we'll see if it can endure longer or better and beat it out for more money i guess that's that's the issue here. We are discussing a movie that's not MCU proper, but in association with Marvel. Yeah. And so it doesn't have that instant backing of fan base running to it that's going to see whatever. Let me say this. The reason I think it has an edge, even like on the current slate of Marvel films, I feel like Sony is going to win out uh, this year with the movies they have coming out because Venom is not in the MCU proper yet. But, I mean, that is like a very recognizable character in mm -hmm. pop culture in general. I mean, he has like, he's not quite as many t-shirts as Deadpool, but there are plenty of people walking around in Venom shirts. You know, there's like, it just yep. looks cool. You know what I'm saying? Like the Punisher, same thing. I've never read a Punisher comic, but I'm wearing a Punisher shirt. So to me, like, it's an IP that has so much value that I yeah. feel like, like the Eternals and Shang-Chi and all those things, like they have to rely on word of mouth right. for people to say, you know what? It's actually pretty good, even though you don't know who they are, you know? And Venom is just like, no, go. It's Venom. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, Sony's, their presentation at CinemaCon, they're going to close the year strong, especially with that new Ghostbusters movie next month. But I digress. Yeah. Well, and then you have No Way Home as well. It's at least <laughs> shared. Can't bury that. Right. Uh, now, real quick, going back to the end credit scenes, or at least the final moments of the film, I have another mystery I need solved, and then well, let's jump into the film proper. But 
at the very end of the movie, there is a character who has been, you know, throughout the film, he is a police officer, he's a detective, he's doing what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, his eyes glow, glow blue. blue. Right. And he says, monsters are coming? Yeah. Um, what I, is that? I, I don't know. Um, but the glowing, idea. The glowing I, blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like a desperate tease in the same yeah. way I felt when they were trying to tease a shared universe during that Tom Cruise mummy movie. So I cringed a little bit, <laughs> but well, yeah. it, to me, to me, it felt like the tease in the Andrew Garfield, you know, the amazing Spider-Man where we're saying, Oh, look, they're building up to the sinister six, essentially, right. you know, like it was kind of like, here's the thing that's going to come up. Look at all the costumes in the background. And this guy's just being even more blatant. There's still something to see next time around. <laughs> something yeah that, that was so confusing to me yeah i've not heard exactly what he is purported to be um really so no you haven't even seen speculation or anything yeah i've not honestly well, i guess looked. people are probably trying to do spoiler free stuff still right now yeah i mean go the way they that. the way they showed his name multiple times just emphasized on it um it leads me to believe that there's somebody there um but i i kind of took that as almost shriek uh inhabiting his body now i i don't know exactly oh, how hmm. um because her That's eye, interesting her theory. eye blue, blue okay huh I, I, yeah i never even would have made that connection that that is an interesting thing to see if that uh <laughs> if that plays out in any way well, let's let's put the pieces together then. Let's let's kind of go through the movie a little bit here and let's see we, if we find it over the along the way. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm curious how you guys came to know about Venom and what kind of expectations you had for this movie from that. Mm -hmm. uh, not just Venom, Carnage. I meant to say Carnage. Uh, I mean, obviously for me, I've been, you know, reading comics since the 90s. I was reading comics when Carnage first appeared. And I I remember Maximum Carnage as big, you know, oh, it's just going to go on for a year. I mean, it was I think it was like 14 parts, Maximum Carnage. Like it was 13 or 14. It was just like gigantic. And it just kept going and going. And just every issue, Carnage is killing more people. Spider-Man's trying to, you know, stop. Him. He and Venom are teaming up. Oh, now we're bringing in Captain America. You know, it's just like everybody's <laughs> trying to stop this madman from literally murdering everybody. The carnage was extreme. And so, like, that, that was one of those things where I was just like, the promotion for not the comic book, but one year later when they started doing the video game. And then the action figures. And then all this, uh, there was like this big marketing push because the game was being made. And at that point, that's where I was like, oh, okay, Carnage is a big deal. And then he kind of faded away after a few years. But yeah, my <laughs> but he was there, he was a threat. But yeah. My, my introduction to Carnage was through that 90s Spider-Man show. Like so many Marvel things. That's how, that was my bottleneck into the Marvel Universe. And I just, I remember very vividly the episode with Cletus Cassidy and how he was like this really loud version of Hannibal Lecter. Super creepy but super in your face. And I remember the gist of Carnage was that red symbiote was all about proving that he was better and younger and stronger than the original black symbiote that became Venom. So when he bonds with Cletus Cassidy and starts trouble, he becomes overwhelming, not just for Venom, but for Spider-Man. And Spider-Man had to team up with, I kid you not, both Iron Man and War Machine to take him on. 
Yeah, that was the best part of those those episodes were all the cameos. That was super fun. I, I was just like, wow, Carnage is a really big deal if all these guys have to come together to put him in his place. And of course, my favorite takeaway of that episode, beyond all the stuff with Carnage, was uh, Rhodey, voiced by none other than Uncle Phil himself, uh, James Avery. <laughs> <laughs> Grabbing J. Jonah Jameson's press badge to rip him away of his journalism rights and saying, I don't see no stinking badge. <laughs> but anyways, that was my introduction to Carnage. And I was like, wow, what a threat. It'd be really interesting to see him on the big screen. Got to fight him once in a video game. That was fun, too. But yep. that that's how I came to look forward to this. Yeah. What about you, Jeremy? Curious. Um, yeah, I, it was mostly with uh, the cartoons. Um, I, I saw like panels of Carnage. Uh, Carnage really wasn't on my radar. I wasn't too much into the Venom even. Like the anti-hero, hero, villain, Venom. I just knew he was the bad guy against Spider-Man, one of his greatest foes. But nothing too much until more of late when studying up for the movies and seeing what's what's potentially going on in the future um, with the movies. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, like you say, because, uh, you know, I would say Carnage hasn't even really been in the consciousness, even like of comic book fans, like he he comes around every couple of years. You know, he's kind of like the, the big bad, like you can't bring him out all the time. Because if he's supposed to be, you know, so dangerous, you can't have him overstay his welcome, right? Because then he right. starts losing his credibility, which by the time Maximum Carnage comes around, that's the second time he had been defeated. You know, it just he lasted longer than his previous outing, you know, so it's, it's that kind of interesting thing to just say, yeah, he, he's not really marketed that much. He's not one of the visible villains, except for every once in a while. Yeah. You see him in a cartoon or whatever, and you're like, wow, a red venom. That's cool. You know, that's basically what your, your takeaway at the time. Um, but what, it, just going back to the first movie after having seen it, were you guys excited for a second installment of this franchise? Um, yeah, I was, I was interested to see where they go. Tease of carnage. It was like, well, okay, uh, let's see where this goes. Everything except that hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that wig was bad. <laughs> I am so glad they fixed that hair. Cause I was like, if they want to keep doing that, they're going to undercut their credibility. Yeah. And I thought it was so interesting how they handled it too because this was eddie's second visit it wasn't like they were reshooting and having a, oh remember that scene from last time okay here's where it picks up it's like no 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 he had already been there once and now he's coming back again in this movie so i was like okay okay so cletus had time to get a haircut <laughs> all right <laughs> um, but like for me like i was really you know kind of trepidatious about the first movie because you know obviously they're not going to have the white spider on the costume so i was kind of bummed and i just didn't know where they were going to take it and then i loved it like i i really enjoyed that first movie like just the comedic aspect of it and i just thought they really hit a lot of fun things although not a lot of the mythos i guess you would say of venom it wasn't very right. heavy it was it was just kind of here's our new take on venom and so I was like, oh, okay, well, he's going to fight another symbiote. Okay, and that's what I realized in this one. I was like, oh, he already fought a bigger, badder symbiote, you know, in the first movie. So what's right. going to be so great about Carnage? So that's what I was curious to see. What was the angle going to be? Well, it's like uh, the Flash TV show. Like how many speedsters can he fight and beat before it becomes too much? It's yeah. the, same with, the same with Venom and Carnage and Riot and everybody else. 
Um, actually, I just found out who uh, Detective Mulligan becomes. Oh, uh, I forgot. Remind me. Toxin. Yep. That's oh, it. okay. So he becomes a symbiote. He becomes a symbiote. Okay. The son of Carnage. <laughs> oh, the family generations. Okay. Right. Right. And we could go into the generations of the symbiotes, but let us not, because that will end in the king in black and the latest (laughs) arc that's been going on. Yeah. So uh, now uh, when this, you know, we started seeing the trailers, obviously, you know, it's kind of just giving us little teases here and there. Um, didn't it really just felt to me? It's like, well, it's Woody Harrelson. That's all you need to know. It was kind of like that last Planet of the Apes movie, you know, where it's right. just like, and it will truly be a planet of apes. You know, it's just like Woody Harrelson, front and center. Come see the movie. Woody's in it, guys. Like, I felt like I didn't see anything about the development of Venom or anything else, you know, in the movie. It's just like, Carnage is here. Check it out. Right. Uh, the trailers didn't give. I mean, too much of the relationship away. I mean, at, at some point, it did kind of fall into the trope of the second movie. The hero loses his powers for a time, mm-hmm. has to come back together and figure yeah. it out. And uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, like, so that that was like, I think what this movie had to do, right? It had to give you some twists on the formula for the first one. OK, so what is the the evolution of the Eddie and Venom, you know, relationship there. And then what is the relationship like with any other familiar characters, which is really just Anne at this point. And then Mrs. Chen, right? Mrs. Chen. Uh, yes. Yeah. So she's great. She, ha- she gets a fun scene in the film, but um, let, let's go back to Carnage real quick. Cause I'm very curious for you guys. Did you feel the sympathy for Carnage that he was trying to pull out of everybody to play the victim himself? Uh, Are you talking about Cletus? Or yeah, the oh, Cletus. Cletus. Yeah. yeah, I'm oh, talking about Cletus, okay, not the symbiote. That symbiote did not elicit any sympathy out of me. No, no, not, not, not the no. symbiote. Yeah, just okay, making sure. I mean, and that was the <laughs> point that he kept pushing on Eddie. Why you, You're only writing one side of the story. You're never writing about the scared little boy who was forced to do this or that, or had this happen to him, which led to all of this. And so my question was, do you feel like Andy Serkis as the director, which by the way, until just preparing for this episode, I didn't make the connection. Oh yeah. Andy (laughs) Serkis, Gollum, you know, the star of the planet of the apes films. I just mentioned like all of that, you know, Um, claw, you know, whoever, whoever you associate it most with, but Um, So did you feel like he established that Carnage or sorry, Cletus Cassidy before he became Carnage was even a threat? Did like, did you, did you feel like he was ever shown as dangerous or the mass murderer that he's just passingly made reference to being? Uh, It was a lot of tell me, not show me with that. Um, uh, We, we knew instantly from the, from the get go that, his girlfriend slash wife Shriek was more powerful and she mm-hmm. was a threat. Um, they also didn't go into explaining how she had metahuman powers or mutant powers or anything of that yeah. sort. Um, or that there's many of them that have them there. Uh, just kind of a passing glance mention. But yeah, because in the flashback, you can tell he's emotional and you tell mm-hmm. he loves her. And that's what I'm saying. Like they start with sympathy for the villain 
but they never make him so bad you want to see him die or anything. That that was my takeaway anyway. I never saw, and maybe it's the PG-13 rating. I just, I never saw Cletus Cassidy be like this diabolical, like, oh, he's so dangerous. We have to stop him type thing. He was, he was just kind of like an average criminal out for a night yeah. on the town because he broke out. Like, and, and the stuff that would merit that, that they mentioned, it's kind of off screen, like where the body's buried. Like we yeah. don't see any of that. We only hear about it. Like, even if they had showed the families and to menace that same problem. Yeah. These people are being tortured in these camps and we never see it. And that hurt the movie. I digress. Um, but like, so do you guys like, uh, the, obviously like they play a lot on the shriek and Cletus relationship that when they were teenagers, you know, growing up in this institution, it's Ravenscroft, right? Do they say it flat out in that? Yes, yes. Remember. You yeah. even see the the sign multiple times and they tear okay. it down towards the end. That's right, yeah. And so like they, they play into that in a big way. Um and, and at that point it seems like all he had done was killed his mother and his grandmother, they say, right? That's what got him in the institution. I I felt like he it was heavily implied that he did a lot more killing than that. Yes. But that, oh, okay. that's the thing. Like the only bodies they had found were his mother and grandmother. Ah, OK. OK, yeah, because because I, like I said, I just I never felt they established it too heavily. So I will say, though, uh, I like that development of the Shriek and Cletus Cassidy relationship, because I don't know if you guys have read Maximum Carnage, but in the comics, he literally just breaks out. And then he's like, he's going kind of through the different cells of the place. And he's like, hey, you seem like my kind of girl. And then he just like takes her with him. And she's like, yeah, I think I could help out, you know, on your rampage. And like, it's really like they don't know each other. They have no history. They just kind of instantly, I need a, I need a gal Friday. Come along with me, Shriek. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So it's much, much more developed. Uh, in this film, which I thought was a, an improvement over the comics in a big way. Now, how did you guys feel about where Eddie was? Eddie and Venom at this point in his life when he shows up and is established as our, our hero again? Uh, an uneasy alliance where it just seems like Eddie has kind of tamed Venom a bit and Venom doesn't like how much he's been tamed. Uh, what What is it? Just chocolates and chickens and maybe the occasional head of an actually bad person? <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, it uh he he's attempting to domesticate Venom and Venom is not happy because I am a predator, Eddie. I must eat hunt. And uh <laughs> and by the way, I didn't know until this weekend that's just Tom Hardy doing the same Yes. yes. Oh, you did, you didn't realize it? I did not know week? that. And that oh. that blew my mind cuz I I'm sure it's being adjusted uh, and computerized, but it's it still sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I, I thought it was, you know, it was funny, although I felt like, you know, Tom Hardy, as you see in the credits, he's a producer on this film and he he's like a writer on the film. Yeah, so I got mean, a story credit. Yeah. Yeah. Story yep. credit. So he's very involved. And I just feel like very he said, we got to do more Venom Eddie, more Venom Eddie comedy. That's what people want. And I I feel like they maybe go a little too heavy on that in the beginning. Because it starts getting pretty goofy when you got Sonny and Cher, the pet chickens. You got like, there's there's just so much going on and so much bickering and stuff where you're just like, mm, ah, okay, guys, I don't know. Like, I guess that's a natural evolution. They're sick of each other. But right. I felt like the first movie started out 
very serious and creepy and this one starts out very goofy and light yeah that's that scene of him cooking while tomato tomato is playing in the background (laughs) uh, oh no yeah that pretty much sums up the shift in direction right there (laughs) cuts up um Um, i I mean they they kind of had to because they were trying they were going to lean into some heavier, darker uh, peril. So they tried to weight it a little heavier on the comedy side. Comedy chops are still being worked on here, this writing team. Um, But yeah, it just worked in places. Others, it was a little too much. Yeah, I mean, like, because obviously, you know, they have this big fight, right? Venom is telling Eddie, you know, I got to eat people. Come on, I got. you promised me I'd get to eat bad guys. I don't get to eat bad guys. <laughs> and so they literally have like a fist fight with each other, you know, and Eddie smashes Venom's teeth with his motorcycle helmet. They just grow back, you know, the Venom throws the TV out the window and all this stuff until... Uh, what what did Eddie use to do the sound to separate himself? Uh, basically the fire alarm. Oh, the fire alarm. That's what it was. Yeah, I was like, how did he how did he do the Sonics? But yeah, so he separates him. Venom takes off and starts jumping body to body, and then but you know that was the whole thing, right? Is that he was yeah. only compatible with Eddie? That was something I forgot from the first movie that it wasn't just like in emotional preference it, it was like actually an actual physical bond that only they could be together like venom could only survive on eddie's body i was like oh okay that that's a big deal um so what did you think about venom's long weekend guys <laughs> well just a wild night yeah you're right it wasn't very long i mean and and what happened with those those people that he oh another one the rave like the ravers i want to know where that party is right those costumes were i awesome. love the speech he gave at the rave and how <laughs> up for interpretation it was yes. yeah it was so broad yeah and, and just wow like like that's great comedy when you you're in on the joke and the people who he's talking to are absolutely not in on the joke and frankly neither is he and we get that disconnect and you know you know what i mean that's just comedy like that is just money can't buy it you know i love that yeah, i wish that, was... that speech was longer honestly <laughs> well that's well, the thing uh, this is a 90 minute movie which means a lot of it got cut or mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot to film. That Wrist is my pace. question, man, because it flew. It flew yes. by. And I was like, man, yeah, huge chugs that I don't know if it was character development or murder. Did they just <laughs> cut out all the murder in this movie? Because Venom or Carnage and Shriek, they're running around town once Carnage manages to break her out. But like, you know, he sneaks in, you know, and. He's he's yeah, he's he sneaks it on somebody else's body. We kind of saw that type of stuff in the first movie and gets her out. And then they have the reunion and, you know, she does her shriek at one point and then Carnage, the symbiote, gets pissed off at her. He's super <laughs> antagonistic towards her. You're like, oh, OK, so that's going to play in later on. Uh, but then, you know, they go and they burn down the Ravenscroft, you know, Institute and they do all that. But I just again, it didn't feel like they killed enough people. There was not carnage. So let there be carnage. It's kind of like let there be mischief. That's how I felt about right, this movie. Because they burned down an, an abandoned St. Estes um, and Ravencroft. Yes, there were employees and uh, prisoners and patients in there. But it was all done off screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like it was the, just it was disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Like the most 
the most we got to see Carnage do was bite the head of the priest off and mm-hmm. level up. And, <laughs> and, uh, to, and to tear up the prison, that was pretty cool, but short-lived. Yeah, like, cause, yeah, because he was, like, running through, and, he, he, you know, Carnage is, when he's escaping the first time himself, he's just chucking bodies, you know, all over the place, all the guards and whoever. But, yeah, it just, that's the weird thing about this movie. Just overall, like, you don't feel the impact of any of the violence until the end, is what I felt like. And and it does it does shift in tone very much at the end, and so it's yeah it's just, it's such a it's such a weird experience to go through because yeah the middle the middle of the film is all laughter and fun you know even with Carnage and Shriek it feels like they're just having a good time together, happy reunion. Um, so did you I, guys? I don't oh, remember yeah. with this one. Uh, I know the first one they rated R just to push that through. Um, did they not get the same green light for this one? I mean, it's it's PG thirteen. I mean, it's I think they just wanted to have a, a wider audience. It's got to be what it was. Uh, oh, the, are you talking about the original Venom being rated R? I was told there was a rated R cut made, and they trimmed it down to PG thirteen. Oh, okay, okay, that, that's, that's the story I was told. That's probably what I I miss misremember. I thought they had pushed that it was rated R because it was right on the heels of like Logan and yeah. It's my understanding that an early cut of the film did match rated R potential. And then they were like, no, let's maximize our audience. We'll do some trims here and there, get PG-13. Speaking of trims, I absolutely agree about the brisk pace and I feel like a lot of stuff got cut. It's interesting you guys should bring that up because earlier this week, or I should say it was weekend, I did get into a talk on Facebook with somebody who hadn't seen the film yet. I didn't spoil anything, but I told them, hey, it feels like an act is missing. And for me, that hurt the movie a little bit. I don't know if, if that's the same sentiment as you guys, but yeah, like I mean, missing. I would agree. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know if you agree with this, but for me, the whole climactic final battle playing out in a cathedral or a church for me, that's a little bit played out. Uh, it was done better in, you know, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves into Batman 89 Daredevil Daredevil 03 <laughs> that was my next one Daredevil 03 <laughs> and I just I'm I'm all churched out when it comes to that kind of action you know well it, it just it didn't seem to have any thematic purpose it was just a cool setting because of all like the construction scaffolding and stuff but I was just like why a church I mean I get that it was for the wedding right. you know for Carnage or, or Cletus, I guess, because Carnage was just along for the ride. So Cletus and Shriek getting married. But it, it, but at the same time, I was kind of like, ah, well, all right. But it just, I mean. Right. It, it there, didn't... there wasn't a strategic advantage to this yeah. location. It was very paint by numbers. Um, the whole pointing out, uh, basically telling Eddie from the get go what was going to happen it, with Cletus, telling him what he was going to do if he got out um, and Venom figuring this out and pointing Eddie slowly through the numbers to be like, hey, here, there, there, there. Let me do your job for you. Um, at the same time, yeah, the, the third act, if we can call it that, like it's a rushed act. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. I was just like, wait, 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 what are we doing? Wait, how, huh? Like, yeah, especially just like the action from like moment to moment in that. Like, it literally felt like, okay, they just cut 10 minutes of a fight out of this. Like, yeah, why are we up on the roof now with Shriek? And, you know, like, like it was just like her fighting the, the Mulligan guy. Like, I don't feel like we ever got, like, other than her just saying, I want the cop who took my eye. Right. So, okay, you got shot in the eye when you were falling out of that van. How did that work? Like, where, where did you get it? You know, like, like if, if there was just, there was a lot of stuff 
that I I felt like they, like you said it was a lot of the they did show it but then it was just kind of like okay that's what I want and then here's what you want and by the way Carnage hates you Shriek Carnage wants you out of the picture so he's looking for excuses to kill you so I did kind of like that pull with Cletus you know and Carnage like Cletus tried to protect his wife and all the things right. that he wanted and then plus. There was the other element, though, of adding Anne back into the story, like just shoehorning Anne into this movie where she was great. And Venom, you know, says, like, I like her, you know, like that that was always his thing, trying to get them back together. But they don't do anything to get them back together. No. She's just there. And then she's there to help. And that's it. And then they part ways again. And it's almost like it. Well, in a way, you could look at it as though they were letting go of each other at that point. But Mm -hmm. uh, and that they they approved of Dan, Dr. Dan. Oh, Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan. (laughs) Nobody likes you, Dan. (laughs) And then at the end, I like him. But at the same Uh, time, you can be such a mean girl sometimes. Yes. But at the same time, like the the first two acts also feel choppy. Like Mm -hmm. there's there's complete scenes missing that could have uh, lengthened out this movie a little bit to give us a bit more exposition or just to let characters breathe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the things that they did with the limited amount of time they chose to give us. The, the few scenes that did stand out to me, as much as I feel like Anne was just like a, she she was a character to be a catalyst for some things to happen in the plot, not so much that she got to develop or have anything go on with her. Right. But I really liked her talk with Mrs. Chen as Venom, where <laughs> Venom is in her body and Venom she's Chen. sweet talking. She's, you know, she's really flirting with <laughs> Venom and playing up to his ego. That was pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, but then also the scene where Eddie has to apologize to Venom, but he's kind of also apologizing to Anne uh-huh. for all he did to her in the first movie. I liked the levels of that scene. I thought that was pretty cool. Plus, just very seeing Anne as the she-Venom again was very cool. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I did not know that was a thing from the comics and until around the time this movie came out. So that happened in the last movie and I had no idea it was a reference, you know? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it, it's, I, I feel like as much as I, I felt like she needed more time for her to be something. And I, I didn't like Dr. Dan. I was like, why do we like him now? Why is he the hero guy now? Saving the day. Like gasoline that, you know? and fire. Yeah. I just, I just felt like he wasn't cool enough or we didn't have enough time to actually like him. He's just like, okay, I'm on board now. Like, I don't like aliens. That's his whole thing. There's right. more aliens, but then he's manning up and he's helping out. But I, I still never bought into Dr. Dan. I was just like, I wasn't with Venom at the end of the movie. Right. And, and at the same time, like the, uh, Anne didn't need to be there at the end other than to say their goodbyes at that point. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we had, it, it was the relationship between Eddie and Venom that needed repaired. Uh, it's almost like they tied that up with Anne so that she doesn't have to be in a third movie. Right. Uh, they tied that up in a nice little bow so that it can be, they can move on from the Anne of it all. Uh, but I mean, w- without having that, uh, with Carnage, without having Cletus in contrast with Carnage over Shriek, uh, there was going to be no no weakness for him. In That's their, a good point. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, from the get-go, um, <laughs> Venom shows up and goes, oh no, it's a red one. <laughs> and he's just like, 
We need to run. Anne will forgive us. Let's let's run. She will be fine. <laughs> he, he only he only agrees to fight because he gets a Scooby snack. The promise of yes. a Scooby snack, right? He's like, I'll let you eat everybody. Let's do it. <laughs> and, um, like, that was um, pretty wild. I, I mean, hope I'm not being too picky, but I just I did not care for the red symbiote's origin this time. He just came into being because uh, Woody Harrelson bit Tom Hardy. Right. Uh, that, that that to me felt incredibly contrived. In yeah, all I mean, the... he, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, why why did he hate Venom? Why did he want to kill? Like, there needed to be a scene of them watching Highlander in the apartment, oh, and then at some point, Venom explains <laughs> there can to only Eddie, be one. There can yeah, exactly. Like that would be like a pop culture reference that he I would throw out. That yeah. would have been much better than what they did, which was pretty much nothing at all. Nothing. It, it no. was just so contrived to have it be like, oh, he he suddenly exists because Cletus bit uh, Eddie, and that just to me that was just lame. I'm sorry, it was lame. Uh, the one that I grew up with, it was a very simple case of sometimes symbiotes they divide like cells, mm-hmm. and that's not what happened here. It's just like he bit off a chunk of him, and that chunk just changed for no reason without any explanation well and... okay so he he bites him and he gets a little piece of venom as well and he realizes it he sees it fluttering on his finger in the blood uh, uh-huh. and and then he eats it he ingests it which uh-huh. it would have probably passed maybe but it was through the lethal injection that caused that would have caused Cletus's death that the symbiote who was using him now as a host reacted and took over. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that that's the biggest, uh, development or I, I guess that's like the, the biggest contrivance of this movie universe. I'm sure it has been played up more in the comics over the last 30 years, but in the early days, like Venom, you know, said like, we this, we that. So there was the other entity, but you didn't have the other entity really talking. Like the Venom symbiote didn't have a personality of its own like it does in these movies. So now we expect it to be like a wholly different character. Right. And so like when they, with Carnage, it's basically just, it was, we were kind of, you know, in the comics, it was just, no, it was Cletus Cassidy given this power, a serial killer given the power to wreak, you know, that much carnage, you know, hence his name. But like in this movie now, it's like, okay, well now we need to see Carnage and Cletus have their buddy, buddy time, have their other than one car ride where they make an agreement. I got to go, you know, find something I lost first. And Carnage says deal, you know, and then then like after that, all you know about Carnage is he's basically jealous or he hates Shriek because every time she screams, it hurts him. And that's all, you know, there's no, there's no other development. So it's like, you never it, it does it doesn't feel true to the universe that they've set up now. They haven't that that's probably the act like you guys are talking about that was cut out because they should have had scenes where like Carnage wanted to kill people and then Cletus wanted to kill people and then so instead of it being this mass murder situation, it's a very tight, compact story with a very small cast and a very small scope of what they want to accomplish. Right. Well, they did have a very brief um, face-to-face, I guess, between Carnage and Cassidy, um, where Cassidy was kind of begging, like, hey, you help me get what I want. I'm going to help you get what you want. And and that was all we got out of both of them to kind of have a coming to agreement moment, which was put at odds once Carnage found out that his 
the wife they just broke out has some power that can hurt or kill him. Uh, yeah. So did you guys have just a favorite scene overall? Was there a moment where you said, look, if you're going to see this movie, you want to see this moment. That's one of the weaknesses is that I didn't have a whole lot to take away. I just liked little one liners here and there, but no real moments that made me go. This movie's a must see. I've already kind of made up my mind. If I ever do own this movie, it's going to have to be severely discounted on sale. Uh, five out of 10. <laughs> it it wow. didn't do a lot for me. Yeah, uh, I, it, I guess it, it feels like this is very much a sequel, right? Like this, this movie is a sequel film. It cannot stand alone. It's very reliant on the first film, having seen it and understanding all the backstory of the characters there. Because they don't do any recapping. The only backstory we get, right, is Cletus with doing the whole thing of like we see in every, you know, DC movie now, these, you know, in this case, it's all illustrations and blood or whatever that, you know, Cletus would have done, you know, or if it was a Man of Steel or Wonder Woman, it's these, you know, inanimate objects that then start moving and cr creating stories. So we got that. But like, I, I guess like it, it, it it's a throwback to the era where a movie could be 90 minutes and it's an action buddy comedy, right? Like it's definitely a throwback film, but it's not self-contained and therefore you can't really point to it and say, Oh yeah. You know, cause like even like each lethal weapon film, it felt like, okay, this is its own thing. Even though there's a little bit of history with the characters that you carry from film to film. And in this one, I don't, I don't think they established that well enough. For anybody that said, oh, well, I just want to see the movie that has carnage in it. It's like, well, you'll see it, then you'll feel like you're missing something. So I kind of have to agree as much as I, I thought it was fun for what it is. I, I'm with uh, Colton in this. I think it's definitely a five out of ten. It, it doesn't really hit the mark, and it's not as good as the first one. It doesn't feel as complete. Right. I, I'll go just a hair above. The, the action was interesting. Uh, the early action was a little too cut-happy. Um they actually let it breathe a little bit in that last act because you could take there was weight to it. Like every time that uh, Venom got pierced by Carnage, like you could tell it was taking yeah. it out of him, like his will to survive. And, and he even voices it to Dr. Dan, like, I, I'm done. I'm done. But yeah, it's uh, it's not as good as its predecessor, but it's that post credit scene that definitely <laughs> gives it the energy to to keep going. And I mean, that thing leaked the week before and hey, it might have taken a little bit of the steam out of the out of the sales. But at the same time, maybe it gave it a little more to be like, hey, if this is in there, what else is in this movie? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it probably piqued the interest of a lot of people. You know, the last thing I'll say is, you know, um, Colton, you mentioned some of the things you didn't know were related to the comic. But Venom and Eddie going to an island paradise, that actually is from the comics, guys. Oh. Like, that that, that was, a, like, right after his first appearance and his first, like, major battles with Spider-Man and all that stuff, Venom was banished to an island. Spider-Man defeated him and then took him out to an island and left him there so that he couldn't hurt anybody else. And so that that is a hundred percent from the comics. And like Venom, like Dark Hawk, if you guys know that character, yeah. at one point he ends up on the island and he has to fight Venom. Like there's just there's all sorts of stuff like that that uh, is related to Venom and Sand, which seems like it doesn't connect, but that is very much in his early days. He was he was on the beach a lot. 
So Venom was a, a dunish sandworm. <laughs> uh, I guess so. I mean, we saw that trailer before the movie. Right. It's looking and, interesting. And of course, that that scene just made my imagination go wild wondering what's going to happen next. Despite my issues with the movie, I can't yeah. wait to see what's going to happen next. Um, there, the theory that I really don't hear a lot on the Internet, but I have felt it quite a bit. I, I'm not 100 percent subscribed to it, but I'm really leaning towards it. Ever since Benedict Cumberbatch was cast to be Doctor Strange in uh, Far From Home, I've just had this feeling like this is going to be a transition point where Sony, uh, Disney is going to let go of Spider-Man and he'll go back to the Sony-verse using the multiverse change. That That's how they're going to respectfully transition him back to Sony and people will go their separate ways. And this post credit scene inched me closer to that theory. How about you guys? Wow, I hadn't considered that, but that would make sense. You're right, because then they could just like fully use any of the properties they still have the rights to and then intermingle them with Spider-Man and have him cross over, create their own Sony Marvel multiverse. So, wow. This, this yeah. is the end of the contract. Like He has one other little small cameo in the contract, but as far as a full-fledged Spider-Man movie, this one coming up in December, that's the end of the contract. So maybe he'll make a small appearance in Multiverse of Madness, but I'm really starting to lean towards they're they're finding a way storytelling wise to transition Spider-Man out of this universe owned by Disney into the other universe owned by Sony. So we'll definitely see a full team up in Venom Three: Lethal Protector because they really played that up a lot <laughs> in the comics as well. Venom wanted to be Lethal Protector. <laughs> I'm actually curious if they're ever going to do Venom 3, as in literally the character called Venom 3. It's Matt Gargan, the scorpion. He gets off his scorpion right. costume and puts on the symbiote. I'd love to see that. Yeah, well, that would be an interesting yeah, turn. I, I mean, they've they've got enough to work with in the symbiote universe with anti-venom and toxin and everyone else that they can just go off on that you can spin off Eddie Brock into his own universe and just series of movies and uh, Flash Thompson spin off him into his own set of movies like all, all sorts of craziness you can do with a shared universe and it and it could be and we might not know more until we see Mo Morbius and see what what they're doing because in that one there there is rumors of Keaton being involved in that one as well well uh, it's not a rumor he was in the trailer I know <laughs> but to what degree up, he's Tom? involved it will be interesting that same jumpsuit he was wearing it during yeah. the post-credit scene of homecoming I just uh well, this could explain I, I how he's in there. I just hope Feige's not messing with us again. Another Ralph Bone or whatever his name right. is. Right. Well, and, and there are also those rumors that Disney's in talks with Sony to buy out the whole studio. Oh, yeah. I've been hearing that for years. It's, I guess, crazier things have happened, especially after 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Because up until, I want to say, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, for years, Sony's film division was posting losses. Yeah. So they've been struggling and uh, the rumors of a sale have been lingering for a long time as a result. But, you know, guys, talking about, you know, coming to the end of the line, coming to a spinoff scenario, you know, this is our final sequel chat experience as it has been known since the beginning of Sequel Quest, since that whole sequel chat idea of covering movies weekend of release and giving you our thoughts on them. 
as you are aware of now, if you've listened to our other sequel quest episodes of late, this is the final countdown, and this is uh, one more tick towards the midnight hour, and uh, this is the, the final sequel chat as it has existed. And so my participation uh, is about to kind of fade away, uh, you know, but I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. You know, it's it's uh, it's one of those moments. And so I, I just, you know, got to <laughs> It's it's been so fun over the years, just mostly talking about comic book movies, and it's just a thrill uh, when I get a chance to, because you know very few people in my life want to get deep into the weeds on the stuff like you guys do. But Sequel Quest is drawn to a close, and so I'm gonna step away from Sequel Chat, but it's gonna take on kind of its own life here on the Retro Network. So Jeremy, what can you tell them about the next phase? Not much officially. but we are looking to keep these sequel chats going might be under a new name might be under a new sound effect we don't know we're still in the works on this uh it's it's been a while since we've done some sequel chats uh it looks like by our skype calendar here it was last december yeah, I mean, like, really, I think Wonder Woman was the last movie that we actually covered at the beginning of 2021. And then you guys jumped into a little bit of WandaVision. And then, yeah, there was a life happening. Yeah, the multiverse <laughs> so. took us in other directions away from each other for a little bit. And we've been able to bring it on back. So we're uh, we're sorting out the sacred timeline at this point, trying to <laughs> isolate our sequel chats. And we'll uh, we'll give you all more information when it's available. I've been doing this for five and a half years, and it, this is very bittersweet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think that it's been going on that long, and yeah, just something that we always had a chance to look forward to, and you guys still will, which is great. So I, I'm looking forward to listening myself and checking out what you have to say and what you're seeing in theaters that maybe I don't get a chance to. You never know what's to come. So it's exciting things on the horizon. Do you have a Venom sign-off you want to do, Jeremy? Eddie, we should be out snacking on bad guys! I am a predator! I need to be free! There you go. (laughs) Uh... We hope you enjoyed all of the fun of today's episode and invite you to join us on our regularly scheduled podcast, Sequel Quest, where we imagine the next installments of your favorite movie franchises. Find Sequel Quest on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and on most of your favorite podcatchers. And of course, visit us at our new home on the web, theretronetwork.com. This has been a presentation of The Retro Network. Do you have a Venom sign-off you want to do, Jeremy? Um, I don't have anything offhand. Let me. <laughs> we shall, we shall ride. We shall ride into the sunset like birds in the wind. <laughs> nice. How's that? Did they bring that line back in this movie? They didn't, did they? If so, no. It felt like it. That was that was the line we were all waiting for a callback to. Yeah, the turd in the wind went away with the first movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, let me see. I am not singing as Venom. <laughs> we're not saying that line. I am not a crazy podcaster, <laughs> but I am a vengeful one. <laughs>
That was probably the best line in the whole movie, I gotta say. Everything else is kind of forgettable. Soon come chaos, chaos soon come. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Or you could say the uh, his his line that was the headline of the newspaper article, if you can remember that one. His secret message to Shriek. Oh, I do not remember that one. Eddie, we should be out snacking on bad guys! I am a predator! I need to be free! There you go. <laughs> uh, Tom Hardy, I just feel like ultimately he will be like the Schwarzenegger. Uh, uh, you know, you'll, you'll just have the Tom Hardy voices that you do for everything, right? His whole collection by the end of his career. Oh, so, all right. This is, yeah, this is, uh, it's rough, man. It's, it's hard to say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. it is not goodbye. It is till we meet again. 